God is our refuge. He is our stronghold. A stronghold is also described in Scripture as a fortified position for an enemy. Here, a great example, and this might be, come to mind as soon as you think about it in the Old Testament, when Joshua leads the Israelites into Canaan, they, the first obstacle they were going to face was a fortified city, a stronghold, a Canaanite stronghold, Jericho, of course. And Israel, if Israel is going to occupy the land, obviously, they would have to remove those strongholds. Of course, we know the story. God instructs the Israelites to march around the city once a day, every day for six days. And then, of course, on the seventh day, they had to walk, march around it seven times. And on that last revolution around the city, the priests blew their, their shofars. The people shouted. Of course, God responds by bringing victory, by bringing the walls down. And like Jericho, there are places our spiritual enemy has fortified in our lives. There are places within the boundaries of our lives that Satan has set up a stronghold. And we have a real spiritual enemy whose desire is clearly defined by Jesus. In John 10, 10, the thief does not come except for what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. Satan is a liar. You can find scriptures that obviously describe all this. I'm just going to summarize it. He's a liar. He's a thief. He's an accuser. He's a deceiver. He's a murderer. And I think most of all, he's an opportunist. He, if you give Satan an inch, he'll take a foot. If, if we give Satan the opportunity to create a stronghold, if we allow him to get a foothold, he'll create a stronghold in our lives. Strongholds are different from demonic possession. So when you think about a stronghold, so, sometimes the terms that have been thrown around you may hear in Christianity might th- make you to think that it has something to do with demonic possession. It doesn't. Um, a stronghold is different from demonic possession. Again, if you are a born-again believer, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, cannot be possessed by a demon. However, a person who is born again can be oppressed. And that's exactly what a stronghold is. It's a form of oppression. Paul mentions this type of stronghold in 2 Corinthians 10.3. And remember, this is Paul writing to believers. Okay, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So a stronghold is most commonly established through the opportunity of disobedience. Say that again. A stronghold is most commonly established through the opportunity of disobedience. Give you an example. Here are just a number of ways you can experience a stronghold. This kind of opens the door, can give the opportunity. I'm not saying these will all result in a stronghold, but they can result in a stronghold. For example, bitterness, resentment, hate, unforgiveness, anger, addictions, manipulation, jealousy, gossip, frustration, hopelessness, selfishness, greed, apathy, rebellion, stubbornness, Strife, pride, vanity, lust, fornication, homosexuality, pornography, deceit, lying, and fear. I mean, there are so many things that we can look at, opportunities of disobedience that Satan can take advantage of that and create a stronghold. Spiritual strongholds are created by the opportunities we give Satan. And Satan will take a stronghold, he'll use it to drain us of our spiritual strength. A stronghold will make you feel defeated. A stronghold will hinder you from maturing as a believer. A stronghold 
will, will damage your faith. So Satan is a deceiver, and he will try to convince us that a, a stronghold is something that we can tolerate. <coughs> to coin a phrase, it is what it is. And he'll try to get us to believe that, you know, this is the way life is. That what I'm dealing with, whatever I'm going through, this is just, I need to accept it. This is the way things are. But strongholds should never be tolerated. And we find that very clearly what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, that strongholds must be destroyed or brought down. A stronghold is, is designed to do exactly what Satan wants to do in our lives, steal, kill, destroy. A stronghold is, is used to wear down an opponent. Uh, the longer a stronghold is permitted, the more it will just siphon life away from you. And just as God brought down the walls of Jericho, God wants to bring down strongholds in our lives. And if we act upon the desires of our flesh, it gives the opportunity for Satan to create that stronghold. So while it's fleshly, and we have these fleshly desires that we all deal with, every one of us, that desire, if it's not obedient to the word of God, can give that opportunity for Satan to create a stronghold. And a stronghold provides a defensive position, but it also provides an offensive opportunity. We, we usually think of strongholds, again, where we're like the example of Masada or other places, a fortification, uh, a defensive place. But it's, it's more than just a defensive position. You think about what's going on in the Middle East currently, and just if you're watching the news, uh, some of the rumbling, some of the trouble, uh, you know, by, by us supporting Israel, um, of course, everyone's mad. They, they're mad at us anyways, so let's just face it, okay? <laughs> we have no real friends, but anyways, it's okay. Um, our support of Israel has obviously caused some of these jihadi groups to rise up and to cause more problems, and they've been attacking a lot of our bases uh, in the Middle East. And when you look at those bases, I understand those are places where um, we, we have troops, we have equipment, uh, they're stationed there, they can be safe in those places, but in reality, they're strongholds. They're a, they are not just defensive positions, they are positions that we can launch attacks from and that we can move offensively. And from those strongholds, you know, we can protect our, our troops, but they can also uh, reach out and touch somebody, right? So Satan uses strongholds in our lives in that same manner. They're a defensive position, but also from that position, he can, he can move in an offensive manner. For example, if, if we had a negative encounter with someone, you know, someone has treated us poorly or there was words that were spoken and that issue was not resolved correctly, Satan can exploit that opportunity to create a stronghold. Uh, Satan will create a defensive posture around whatever wound is caused. And a lot of times with a stronghold, you will find that the source of the stronghold has been a wound. Uh, some way we were damaged, hurt, whatever. And what he'll do is he'll take that wound and he'll begin to build walls around it, make a defensive position, a fortification. And if you've been hurt, you want to do this. First thing we want to do, if we've been hurt by someone, we want to avoid it or we want to build up walls. We want to protect ourselves. Why? Because we don't want to be hurt again. Satan exploits that. And again, that, that is the natural tendency of our flesh. And that's why it feels so comfortable. It feels so right. But listen, we don't live according to the flesh. We live according to the spirit. And if we don't discern that, we will always follow our flesh and make the same mistakes. But if we live according to the Word of God, the Spirit of God, we'll understand how that always runs contrary to what our flesh wants. Our flesh wants to say this, it's no big deal, just let it go, it doesn't need to be resolved, there's not a problem. 
but there usually is a problem that needs to be resolved that needs to be resolved very quickly. In fact, with Jesus, or excuse me, Paul said these words in Ephesians 4:26, "In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold." So if you give the devil a foothold, he will create a stronghold. If someone hurts you with their words, their actions, Satan will convince you that again, forget about it. It's, it's just go about your business. And again, if, if you can come to this place, if someone hurts you or they, they treat you poorly, if you can truly forgive and forget and you can be around them and there is no animosity, then good for you. Praise God for that. If you can absorb that and you can handle it, but most of us can't. I'm, I'm just like that. I, I can't always absorb it. Uh, I want to react. I want to fight back. You know, you hurt me, I want to hurt you. I mean, that, I'm just being honest with you. That's my fleshly response. I'm not saying it's the right response, but that's my go-to. But if we, we look at the, the Word of God, we understand that's the wrong reaction. And that's not going to bring healing. In fact, um, uh, you know, you can react that way, feel good for a while, but you still have the simmering animosity that you got to deal with. So it's not always the right action. So what I'm saying is, if you could truly forgive, forget, move forward, and there is no animosity, again, good for you. But that usually doesn't happen that way. Rather than going to that person, try to resolve the issue, what we try to do is we just try to hide it. And we hope it'll go away. Maybe time heals. Uh, if you've ever been hurt by someone and they've, uh, they've hurt you in a close friendship or whatever, you know this, that time doesn't always heal. Time sometimes just make it, makes it worse. So Satan will look at that, and that's an opportunity that he can exploit. That's an opportunity where he can get a foothold and create a stronghold. And over time, Satan will encourage our flesh to build walls around that hurt. The desire is you need to protect that wound so that you never get hurt again. And when that happens, we become like a stronghold like Jericho. We're locked up tight, no one gets in, no one gets out. And a stronghold can be an offensive position, but it can become a, or excuse me, it can be a defensive position, but it can also be an offensive position in this way. Often when we have a wound that we've, we're covering, we're holding close to us, we're protecting, when someone begins to touch it or get close, we lash out harshly. And why is that? Because we don't want anyone touching that wound. That place has been hurt before, we don't want it touched. And when someone gets close to it, we lash out at them. The reason we do this, again, because we build walls to protect us, and if something's threatening that, we come out in an offensive posture. Proverbs 18, 19 says it this, uh, this way. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. What were strong cities in Old Testament? They had walls. They had protection. They had defenses. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. So if we have a stronghold that's been established around an offense, Whenever someone gets close to that wound, we will lash out to protect. Many of us have strongholds and pretend they don't exist. Um, if you've suffered trauma, a stronghold can develop out of a trauma. Uh, if you've suffered pain, a stronghold can develop out of that pain. If you've had a misunderstanding, something very simple, a stronghold can still develop. Out. Sometimes we think of strongholds, we think, oh man, it has to be something massively destructive. You know, sometimes... We, people experience trauma, and it's real, but let's be honest, sometimes people experience trauma that is more perceived. Listen, they both open the door for a stronghold to develop. 
It's not the trauma or the suffering that creates the stronghold. It's how we handle the trauma and the suffering which gives the opportunity for a stronghold. Most people who deal with a substance addiction, they're, they're dealing with a stronghold. Uh, the person dealing with a substance addic- addiction, I always say this, they're, they're drinking at something or they're, they're drugging at something. They're trying to use that, that substance to find some kind of peace. And that peace, that peace is just limited, right? It's just a short time. It's brief, but what does it do? It, it feeds that desire to continue. It's never enough. You have to, it's a repetitive cycle. And Satan will try to exploit our pain. He'll lie to us, convince us that, listen, that substance, that activity, that habit, whatever it is, because it doesn't necessarily have to be drugs and alcohol. It can be something else. It can be a person, again, a relationship that convinces that we need to to do this action or we need to take this action to find peace and refuge, but we understand these are simply counterfeits. They will never fulfill the refuge and peace that God wants to give us. He wants to be our stronghold. He wants to be our peace. He wants to be our place of refuge. If we're determined, uh, if we determine we have a stronghold in our lives, it must be destroyed. It cannot be tolerated. A stronghold created by our flesh will isolate us behind walls. And you know this, isolation is one of the best tactics the enemy will use against us is to isolate you, isolate you in your marriage, isolate you in your relationships, isolate you from church, you know, all kinds of things. Isolation is a key tactic. Think about, uh, when you think about Masada, the weakness that it had was this. The strength was obvious. It has these massive cliffs, a thousand feet, and it, it had plenty of supplies. But if you had an army that is patient, an army that is well-equipped, large like the Roman army was, Listen, they could, they could have just simply surrounded that place, lasted them out, just died. They could have just died. But, you know, the Romans weren't, that, they weren't those kind of people. They're going to take matters into their own hands. And so while it's a great defense, if you have a patient enemy, you can simply, as a war of attrition, continue to just to squeeze the life out of that place. And they would die, whether over time, but they accelerated it a little bit. Satan does the same thing with us. He's very patient he, he will allow something to fester and to grow. He will feed it over time so that these walls are built. And what will he do then? He'll surround you. He'll isolate you. And that's where you're going to be victimized even further. An opponent who has a patient, again, or well-supplied army can lay siege to you effectively. And that's what Satan does. There are a number of ways to identify strongholds. But the easiest way to, de- to discern or to identify a stronghold in your life is simply repetition. Okay, repetition. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, a stronghold can be identified by repeated behaviors, repeated attitudes, repeat- repeated actions. Uh, in this life, we're going to experience trouble. You, you can't avoid it. Uh, we'll be tested, we'll be tempted, we'll be tried, and again... How we handle those encounters shows us something. Uh, and encounter uh, everyday problems. When you encounter, if you repeat the same failed behavior, the same failed feelings, the same failed reactions, whatever attitudes, there might be a stronghold in your life. I'm not saying there is, but there might could be. So while a stronghold may be rooted in the flesh, it will take a spiritual process to destroy it. Um, a stronghold is established in the flesh by our desires, but it has to be destroyed spiritually. The first step to demolishing a stronghold is, first of all, just identifying its existence. 
Again, sometimes we don't like to admit we may have a stronghold in our life. And please hear me. Uh, if you have a stronghold in your life, don't feel like, like, man, I'm just, I'm a lousy person. That's a lie of the enemy. Listen, Satan can oppress and does oppress believers. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So a finan- let's say a, a stronghold could be financial. Here's a, here's a great example of, of identifying a stronghold, and finance is an, is an example. Again, repeated behaviors, repeated actions, repeated attitudes, so on. So let's say you struggle in the area of finances, and you continue to make poor financial decisions. There, there could be a, a stronghold in that area of your life. Here's how we as the church tend to deal with it, and I'm sure you're familiar with this. I try to shy away from this as best as I can. Give your tithe and all your financial problems will go away. That doesn't work. It, it does work, but it's not the full story. That's the problem. There, there's more to the story. Well, if you just simply give, all your problems are going away. That, that is completely incorrect. And here's why. If there's a stronghold in your life, I believe in tithing. It's biblical, but tithing alone can't break a financial stronghold. Here's why I mean. A financial stronghold is likely developed, again, through disobedience and a desire. There is a desire to do something counter. Paul, I think, really hits on it here in Philippians 4.11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned for whatever state I'm in to be content. Content. Unless we learn to be content, a stronghold in our area of finances will persist. So if you don't learn how to be content, you'll never have enough money. What's the saying? You'll have more weak than you have money. So a stronghold will persist, persist unless you are content. Uh, if you don't learn how to be content, you'll spend money impulsively trying to find contentment. But contentment is never found in material things. You know, I'm amazed when, when people will spend money on things and material things and they have all, everything out in the driveway, their garage is full of stuff, and, and, and they have these, this, these toys that brings them some type of pleasure, but, you know, those toys break down. They cost more money. It's just like it can be an endless cycle, and you can never find contentment in material things. If we aren't willing to change our spending habits, and what we'll try to do, this often happens, again, we as the church are poor communicators about this. Let's say a person is dealing with financial problems, and then we tell them just to give and to circumvent the whole contentment issue. You have to address the desire that is fueling the behavior. If you don't, it's only going to put them in a, in a hole quicker. You, okay, you have financial problems, but you really have a desire problem. Not all, I don't, I'm not saying everybody does, but I'm just saying in, dealing, in doing this for a lot of years, you find that contentment is a huge issue. That there's so much wasted money, so much emotional purchasing that takes place. When identifying a stronghold, again, look for repeated behavior, repeated results, repeated desires, and I would say this, even repeated frustrations. Let's say you can identify a stronghold in the area of finances. Well, how do you, how do you learn to be content? How do you, how do you change that desire? And I think, number one, you, you have to go to the Word, right? 1,500 scriptures dealing with finances, how to manage your money, how to manage your stuff. The Bible says a lot about finances. Anytime the church talks about finances, you should get nervous about it because the Bible is plumb full of it. So look to the Word of God. Secondly, maybe you just need to find someone, a, a Christian stewardship expert. 
or, or just a believer that you know, you respect that is wise with their money. Help me manage my money. You know, there's nothing wrong with saying that. I think we, we sometimes get embarrassed by asking for help for certain things. Why would, you, if you're struggling, why not ask for help? You know, there are people that are in this world, in this church, who are good with money. Why would you not seek them out for wise counsel? Practice contentment by doing this. And I know this may seem easy, but just don't spend. <laughs> you know, I'm a sucker. I, I, used, to, I used to work in, uh, in sales and grocery stores. And, you know, we placed, when we would do sales and we would have um, um, a promotion, we strategically put those in places for shoppers to be captured by it, right? We put an end cap or whatever. We're a point of sale. We're trying to, we're trying to get you, entice you. And then sometimes we'll do this. We'll take, we'll partner with the store. We have a product that will go with this product. We put them together because you're going to the checkout. It's like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. It's a marketing strategy. And so you can't be, especially if if you go shopping and you are, if you're an emotional person, especially don't go shopping when you're down because you'll spend more money than you ought to spend. And you know how it is. Sometimes you buy something new and nice and it makes you feel good for a while. And then MasterCard or Visa comes in and you find this out. The borrow, borrower is enslaved to the lender. It's not so fun then. So a stronghold has to be broken by denying your flesh. It, it begins with a fleshly desire. So you have to resist it. Practice contentment by doing this. Saving. Saving money instead of spending it. Save it. Give generously. A stronghold can be broken, but it will require action. It will always require obedience. So a stronghold is broken through obedience to God and his word. But that's not how we want to break strongholds. Let's be honest, in the Christian world, especially the Pentecostal world, here's why we want strongholds broken over our lives. I'm going to come to the altar. I want you to pray for him. I want you to break that stronghold. But the stronghold is, is, is uh, rooted in desire. And you and I have no power to overcome someone's desire. God's given us a free will. So if we can lay, listen, if we could do this, wouldn't we do this at every church? Today is lay hands on people to get rid of all your desires so that you never sin again and make a bad decision. I mean, wouldn't we be doing this? The fact of the matter is we can't do that. We can agree in prayer. We can pray that the power of God will, will intervene in that situation. But, but again, that person must submit to the lordship of Christ. They must submit to the power of the Holy Spirit. They must obey. It is always going to come down to this point where, yes, we should pray for deliverance. Yes, we should pray for healing. Yes, we should pray for freedom and peace and all these things. That shouldn't stop us from doing that. But please don't ever think that you are going to circumvent that person's will. We want people to pray for us, break that stronghold over us. We can pray. We can pray all day long with the person. But if they aren't willing to submit to Christ as Lord in that area of their life, that stronghold will persist. Strongholds develop because we fall short and we continue to fall short. Satan can't create a stronghold without an opportunity. If you're a born-again believer, he cannot simply park in your life and create a stronghold. You have to open the door, welcome him into the situation, then and there he can establish a stronghold. A stronghold is not given through heredity. A stronghold is developed by disobedience. 
The stronghold will continue to grow if it's not broken with repentance, with humility, with commitment, with submission. It will continue to grow larger, taller, wider. If you deal with a stronghold in the area of, let's say, sexual behavior, again, we can pray for you. You can read the Bible all you want, and you should, but that stronghold won't be broken until you submit. How do we submit? Well, I don't have it. If this thing causes you to sin, if this thing causes you, then pluck out your eye, right? Then you need to get rid of this thing. Well, I need to have this or that for my job. Well, you're going to have to come up with a different plan. Because what's more important, your job or your soul? Because I guarantee what's going to happen is, if you prioritize that, you're going to lose your job anyways, and you're going to lose your soul. Someone who deals with sexual sin or sexual stronghold, pornography, uh, illicit affairs, sexual encounters, any sex outside of the marriage covenant, there's a reason behind the behavior. Now, what we try to do is this. On the church side, we'll say it's just lust, lust, lust. And there is a lust component. However, not always. Give you an example. Men sin sexually differently than women sin sexually. Most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. Some women believe this. With, they'll never have love without sex. So they give themselves to that, trying to, I'm not, a, whatever lie they believe, I'm not attractive, not, I can't, uh, I can't, whatever. And so I'm going to, I'm going to give this away in hopes of getting what I want, which is really love. Men, men may face pornography for an issue of this, they're never rejected. They're never rejected. There could be, with a lot of sexual issues, there's an esteem issue. So again, Satan, what does he do? He exploits that. You're right. You're nothing. You're no one. No one wants you. But there's an opportunity. He, he works that way. He works this way, this way, this way. He comes against you in a number of ways. How do you know when the devil's lying? His lips are moving. A stronghold always promises refuge, but it's a deception. It can only offer temporary uh, refuge, but will end in bondage. After that temporary peace wears off, then you face guilt. Then you face shame. What have I done? And what does Satan do? He begins to condemn you. And then what do you do? You get to this place where you feel condemned. You need peace. You need refuge. What do you do? You turn right back to the sin that you committed. It's the cycle of sin. It's a stronghold. We we'll go back to the verse we looked at earlier. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought, making it obedient to Christ. So a stronghold may be established by the flesh, but a stronghold must be destroyed spiritually. It's a spiritual battle. And our weapons aren't carnal. That means they aren't physical they aren't emotional and they aren't mental. They are spiritual. And they are mighty in God. So in Christ, close to him, near to him, that's where we will bring down strongholds. I, there's nothing wrong with therapy, going to therapists. I, I, could, I, could, I think we should. There are times that probably most of us need therapy that we don't seek. <clears throat> but if it's a stronghold, therapy will not destroy it because it's spiritual in nature. Unless you're going to a therapist that will bring you through a spiritual process, I'm not saying that it's not helpful, but you will not seek, find deliverance from that because it is a spiritual battle. It has to be brought down spiritually. 
It's what the Word of God says. So when you get closer to Jesus, what do you do? You see his holiness, his righteousness, and it should cause you to do what? It should cause you to love him. Remember, if we love him, we obey his commands. The closer we get to him, the more we see his holiness, his righteousness, the more we don't want to break his heart, the more we want to please him, the more we want to serve him. So the closer you get to Jesus, the more the Holy Spirit will empower you to overcome. Listen, it's difficult when, when you are taking on a stronghold because often in that area of your life, you're very weak and you're very vulnerable. Finding that first initial step to move forward, to get closer to Jesus in that area can be very difficult, but it's not impossible. Strongholds don't just happen. Again, they're not inherited. They develop out of disobedience. So again, how do you, how do you destroy that? If it's established through disobedience, you have to destroy it through obedience. Let's go back to an example of uh, forgiveness, bitterness, uh, unforgiveness, excuse me. Just a couple scriptural examples here. Uh, Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Luke 6.37, do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Mark 11.25, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you of your sins. You know, in these examples... We're not laying hands on people and bypassing their will and their obedience. We're calling them, God is calling us to obedience. If someone has hurt you, then forgiveness is the obedient action that we must take. If not, if we are disobedient to that, then a stronghold can be developed. So it requires action. Again, we may not want to forgive certain people. I understand that. There are certain people that I don't like, okay? They treat you poorly and whatever. And we can justify our inaction. We can make all the excuses we want. And, and some of them, from a fleshly perspective, may make a lot of sense. And then you can do this. Well, I'm called to forgive, but I don't want to forgive. You can find people, hurt people, just like yourself. You can tell them, and they're like, you don't need to forgive them that way. That's not what the Bible's saying. And they will justify your feelings. What happens in the end? The walls get taller and wider. Your refuge will become walls. Walls that you've built. But Jesus is our refuge. He is our stronghold. He, those walls that we built aren't walls that he's going to penetrate. Those walls have to come down. Listen, he's not going to share space inside that little confined area that we've built. That's not the way it works. They have to come down. Strongholds must be brought down, destroyed. James 1.22 says this, But be doers of the word, and not, only hear, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Remember, when it comes to strongholds, it's not just knowing the word, hearing the word, it's putting the word into action. Again, looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to what? The obedience of Christ. The knowledge of God is the, available through the word of God. The Holy Spirit will give us revelation, he'll give us insight into his word. And the Holy Spirit will then empower us, help us to overcome, to live according to the Word. But we have to enable all that, commit ourselves to obedient action. Paul says an important word again that's overlooked in that verse, and that's obedience, to be obedient. And we bring every thought, argument, high thing that exalts itself against Christ and His Word, we're bringing it to captivity, making it obedient to Christ. 